us today that when your back is against the wall, when you're in a crisis, and when it looks like you can't go forward and you can't go backwards, the only thing you can do is stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. The Lord will send some help. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. Come and join us in the sanctuary as we listen in on a dynamic word from our senior pastor, Dr. Gina M. Stewart. Psalm 20, beginning with verse 1 through 2. If you're there, say amen. And I'm reading from the New International Version of Scripture. It's there on the screen as well. Let's read together. Get your good Bible reading voice. May the Lord answer you when you are in distress. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and grant you support from Zion. This is the word of the Lord. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever. As you take your seat, shout my title to your neighbor. Tell him, the Lord will send help. I want to talk today from the service. The Lord will send help. In May of this year, something unprecedented happened in the state of Georgia. Democrats selected the first black woman to be a major party nominee for governor in the United States. Stacey Abrams not only became the first woman, but Georgia's first black nominee for governor. This is not a small thing. Because if she wins, somebody shout if she wins. If she wins, she will become the first black governor in a state that has not had a black person in the governor's mansion since Reconstruction. Now, you got to understand how serious this is because the time of Reconstruction is from 1863 to 1877. We're talking about over 100 years have passed. And so if when we wake up Wednesday and we wake up and there's a sister in the state house in Georgia, she will not only be the first woman, but the first black nominee governor, a prize that has eluded generations of African-Americans. Stacey Abrams is considered to be a liberal former state house leader who will now test just how the much how much the state's traditionally conservative politics have shifted. And on Tuesday, Governor Georgia voters will determine whether a black woman can win in the Deep South, a region that has not had that kind of activity, as I previously said, since Reconstruction. And if she wins, that will be major. So I'm sure that if you've been following the news, you've seen how this race has attracted attention from around the world. People that don't even live in Georgia are rooting for Stacey Abrams. They're not just rooting for Stacey, they're rooting for Gillums and rooting for other people. Did you see all the soul sisters from Memphis that were on MSNBC this week? Even the nation has picked Memphis up on the radar because we have an unprecedented number of strong, intelligent, brilliant Black girl magic that's going to be representing us at the commission level, at the state level, as senators on the city council and in various places. And the world is starting to pay attention. People that don't even live in Georgia, I wish I lived down there. I'd go vote for her. I told them at 8 o'clock, I've been thinking about trying to go down there and change my registration. So 
I can vote for Stacy. Now I voted here, you know, but I'm telling you, if I lived in Georgia, she'd show sure have my vote. My vote now, my vote. Not only has the race drawn attention, but it's also drawing interference. Particularly in recent weeks at the polls, which you can't always trust the polls, because the polls told us Hillary was going to win, and we know what happened on November 8th, 2016. But nevertheless, the polls have predicted favorable results for Stacey Abrams, and the more positive her results, the more the shenanigans increase. The shenanigans have become particularly intense in the form of voter suppression tactics over the last few weeks. And one of the most recent tactics occurred when her opponent, who I will leave nameless, but who is also the Secretary of State for, of Georgia, which ought to be a conflict of interest. I'm just saying. I'm just talking about what I'm talking about. I think if it was somebody of another hue, that would never, it wouldn't even be up for discussion. But anyhow, anywho, as they say. Her opponent, who is also Secretary of State, canceled some 340,000 votes or voter registrations that he claimed voters had left the state of Georgia or moved to another country, but sources said they had not. Then he used a tactic, and they called it, this is what this tactic was that he used called purge by postcard to remove eligible voters from the polls. See, I was talking to you all about the genius of legalized suppression. That the genius of legal, what makes things so ingenuous in terms of the things that people do against black folk is that they legalize it. And so he used this law called purge by postcard to remove eligible voters from the polls. He sent a postcard that could have easily been mistaken for spam to voters who did not vote in the prior election. And if a voter did not return the postcard, their registration was purged without informing the voters that it was happening. He also faces a lawsuit for exposing six million records of registered Georgia voters and potentially, according to Rolling Stone, the state's election system to foreign hackers. It has been said he has become notorious in his efforts to cull voter registrations, especially those of Democratic and minority voters. Rolling Stone recently obtained an audio of him speaking to donors, saying his opponent, Stacey Abrams' campaign, continues to concern us, especially if everybody uses and exercises their right to vote. And then most recently, he flagged approximately 3,141 voters, erroneously as non-citizens, making them ineligible to cast vote without showing proof of citizenship, adept to a deputy register at their polling places. This is called exact match law. Touch your neighbor and say, the genius of legalizing discrimination. They call it exact match law which flags registrations that are found to have discrepancies such as a dropped hyphen or maybe a difference in an initial in your name with other official identifications and potential voters are allowed to settle the discrepancy by providing proof of identity typically. But the state's procedures, Abrams' opponent, whose office, mind you, oversees elections, stipulated that those who had been flagged as potential non-citizens be cleared first by a deputy register throwing hoops in the game when seeking to vote, which is nothing but voter suppression. And when I saw that last tactic, D.I.T. Gooden, I thought to myself, these folk, I ain't going to tell you what I really said. 
But I said to myself, they will stop at nothing to try to keep her from winning. They will stop at nothing to ensure that the tables are not flipped. And I felt so grieved by the duplicity. And I thought to myself, they're going to try and steal this here election from this girl in plain sight. They ain't even shame no more. You know, it's bad when you get so desperate that you're not even embarrassed to cheat. Y'all won't talk. It's bad when desperation has overtaken us to the point that we will do what is illegal in plain sight. Or what I should say, it's not necessarily illegal because they find these, these, these technicalities and loopholes in the law. It's unethical. And I was thinking to myself, I said, you know, God, you got to send this girl some help. I said, they're going to sit here and try to steal, as my grandma used to say, this here election. This here, not this here, this here election from this girl. And I was praying. I said, God, you got to do something. I felt so grieved. She, I don't even know her. She wouldn't know me if I was to walk up to her and say, boo. But there ought to be something in us, particularly people of God and particularly Christians, that when we see injustice, it ought to put a check in our spirit. There ought to be something in us that when we see people being treated unjustly, when people deal unrighteously with other people, whether they like us, they know us or not, whether they're our hue or not, regardless to whether we necessarily agree with everything they do or not, there ought to be something about our humanity that when we see injustice, it ought to put a check in our spirits. And I was praying the other day, and I said, God, you got to do something about this because they're going to try to steal this girl's, this election from this girl. If she loses, let her lose fair and square. Don't let her lose because somebody has, has, has taken a loophole in the law and made it possible to give themselves an advantage so that she won't necessarily make history. Oh, but by Thursday. Somebody shout by Thursday. <laughs> I was sitting in class, Vahisha, and my sister, I'm about to shout out my shoes, my sister sent me a text, and at first, I couldn't make out what was in the text because my, it was kind of blurred, and all I could see was a picture. And you know, sometimes my sister sent me these crazy text messages, so I thought she was sending me a joke. You know, she always sending me silly stuff, so I didn't really pay that much attention to it, but then upon closer inspection, Hey, I feel the Holy Ghost. Upon closer inspection, I looked a little closer, and it was a screenshot, ain't Ruby, of a news flash. And when I looked even closer, it was not just a screenshot of a news flash, but the lower third on the screen said, Oprah campaigns for Stacey Abrams. Look at somebody say, can I shout now? Do I have to wait? The screenshot said Oprah campaigns for Stacey Abrams in the governor's race. And then, and then I went back and I researched what she was saying. And Oprah said, I was just sitting at home in California. I'm preaching right now. She said, and I was minding my own business. She said, but I couldn't stop thinking to one about what's going on down there in Georgia. And Winfrey told the crowd, she said, we are on the precipice of a historic election. She said, I don't want my party and I don't want any kind of partisan influence telling me what decisions I get to make for myself. She said, look at here, nobody paid for me to come down here. Nobody asked for me to come. I paid for myself and I approve this message. Can you clap your hands and give God some praise? And when I saw all of that and I 
opposition, Alicia, that Stacey Abrams had been facing over the past few weeks, I heard the Spirit say, the Lord sure will send some help. Can you just preach to somebody and tell them the Lord sure will send some help? That's what the text is telling us today, that when your back is against the wall, when you're in a crisis, and when it looks like you can't go forward and you can't go backwards, the only thing you can do is stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. The Lord will send some help. That's what this text is tailored to teach us today, that in our day of distress, the day of distress. In our day of distress, the Lord will send us some help. I love this psalm. This is, this is one of my favorite psalms. It's one of the psalms, if any of you that have ever come to visit you before you go for surgery, know that it's one of my staples. I often pull it out and use it and read it before for scripture when I meet members for surgery because there is probably nothing more distressing than going under a surgeon's knife. And this psalm has been called an antiphonal psalm, an anthem psalm. It's a psalm that's in the Psalter that actually has elements of a prayer. It's God's people petitioning for their king as the king prepares to go to battle. The psalm opens with a communal blessing invoking for the king God's help in preparation for the battle. It's actually a prayer. There are elements of a prayer that com commentators say could have been offered by any citizen of Israel at any time when their king was in a crisis. And the conclusion, the traditional conclusion of the psalm was originally performed in the temple before the king prepared to go to battle. And the king was there to pray for help because the king understood that if he went into battle by himself, he could possibly lose the battle. But somebody needs to know that whenever you get ready for a battle, you better go in that battle with God on your side. You better make sure that whenever you put up your dukes to fight, you're not going in that battle by yourself. In fact, wherever you find yourself getting ready to do anything of eternal significance, you need to have a God on your side. And so this royal psalm, which is reminiscent of Psalm 18, reminds us of what kings would do when they got ready to go into battle. But I need to tell you that the psalm is really not just about the king, it's more about God than it is about the king because the king, the, 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 not that the king is unimportant, but what I want you to know is that the primary actor in the psalm is God. The three words in Psalm 20 emphasize the role of God. The word answer occurs three times, including the first and the last verse. May the Lord answer you when you are in the day of trouble. May he send help from the sanctuary and send you support from Zion. If there's going to be any victory, if there's going to be any deliverance, it's going to be because God is going to bring deliverance. And Psalm 20 illustrates the affirmation that we read in Psalm 3, which is also a royal psalm. Thou, O Lord, art shield for me, my glory, and the lifter up of my head. That psalm reminds us, just like Psalm 20, that deliverance comes from the Lord. And that's a good place for me to park right here for a second, because in this contemporary time in which we we live we often think our deliverance comes from everywhere else and I do need to tell you that sometimes God will send deliverance through other sources but you need to know that when you're in a crisis when your back is against the wall when somebody has pushed you in a corner and it looks like you have no way of escape that there's nobody to advocate for you or fight for you that the Lord will send help the name of God is not only synonymous with God's presence and power, but also suggests the importance of the identity and character of God. 
It is God's character that we appeal to when we pray. And it is God's character that will assure us of the future in this text for the king, but also assure us of our future as people of God. And so they pray in the first part of the pericope for the protection and welfare of the king. But the subject in the, in the text is God. For the king's protection is found in God and in God's protection. And in days of distress, somebody shout in days of distress. In days of distress, the people's prayer to God for their king was the same. In the name of the God of Jacob, defend thee. And what I like about this psalm is the same reason why I shouted so when I saw what happened for Stacey Abrams. Is that when you read the psalm, the psalm doesn't read, doesn't read as if they are waiting to see if God's going to give them the victory. No, 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 no. The psalm doesn't read as if the person who is praying is saying, and God, we're going to seal this prayer and, and say, if it be your will for you to bless us. If it be your will, be with the king. The psalmist's reply anticipates victory. In other words, the psalmist is already thanking God in the prayer that God is going to give them the victory. The psalmist is affirming that the proper place for confidence, watch this, lies not in the products of human ingenuity, but it rests with faith in God. Can I tell you why I'm preaching this? Because not only did I, was I blessed when I saw what God did for Stacey Abrams, when I saw how Oprah showed up from out of nowhere and brought her influence and just just really kind of blew everything out of the water. And then, to make, make it even better, a judge came along and told the same folk that they could not purge those numbers off of the road. I said, the Lord sure will send help. I just came by to help you shout today. I just came by to help somebody that's in a bad situation or in a dark place. Or maybe you feel as if your back is against the wall. I came to remind you today that when nobody else will help you, when other folk write you off, when other folk try to cut your knees off, when other try to cut your throat, when folk throw a rock and hide their hand, come on, help me preach to somebody tell them the Lord will send help. I wish I had a few people in here this morning that can look back over your shoulder that can press the rewind button and you can think about the times that you were in some situation and nobody would help you. Skirts can I back up for just a second and let me see if I can help some folks. See some of y'all looking at me funny and the reason why you can't appreciate this because you ain't never been in a situation where people have tried to cut your legs off or cut your knees off or cut your head off but I'm talking to the folk that know what it's like to have people set traps for you. That know what it's like to have your back against the wall that know what it's like to see people trying to orchestrate your failure and engineer your downfall but somebody ought to give God your best praise that God made a way out of no way come on tell somebody the Lord will make a way the Lord will pave a highway through the desert the Lord will make your enemies your footstool the Lord will bless your going out and your coming in the Lord will prepare a table he'll make a way do I have anybody in here that can give God some praise that the Lord will will somebody shout I know he will I wish I had a few people that have seen God make a way I wish I had a few people that have ever been in distress I wish I had some black folk that can remember where God has brought us from how he made a way through slavery how he made a way through Jim Crow how he made a way through the civil rights how he made a way through bus boycotts how he made a way through Selma and the same God that made a way then is the same God Come on, help me preach it. Can I preach it like I feel it? Tell somebody, 
the same God, the same God that opened the door, the same God that paved the highway through the wilderness, the same God that rained manna from out of a heaven, the same God that caused water to come out of a rock, shake that hand and tell somebody that same God will make a way for you. Shake that hand and tell somebody the Lord is sending help. What does help mean? I'm so glad you asked. In the Hebrew, it means special aid. It means assistance. It means somebody to come alongside me and help me when I can't help myself. Oh, shut here. I know I'm talking to somebody that's in a position where you couldn't help yourself. But can you give him praise that just in the nick of time, he stepped in just when you needed him most. Some trust in chariots and some trust in horses. But we shall trust in the name of the Lord our God. is riding on my victory are you talking to the wrong neighbor find another neighbor and tell them God's victory or my victory is riding on God's reputation I ain't gonna come out I'm not speculating I'm not speculating I know the Lord will make a way yes he will if I could call Stacy she'd tell you that it was nobody but Jesus shout yeah yeah said the Lord will send help you can't shout off this unless your back been against a wall somebody shout the Lord will send you some help he'll send you some aid he'll send you some assistance so that the very thing that was supposed to bury you They had planned her funeral, I'm sure. Kind of like they did on the night that they put Jesus in the grave. They thought it was over. They even put a rock in front of the sepulcher. 
So that deceiver said when he was living that in three days he's going to get back up again. But just in case he get up. We don't believe he's going to get up. But just in case he get up. I don't hear nobody saying that. We're going to do something to make the grave secure. Hey! So that the last mistake won't be greater than the first. You ought to see yourself in this. Because the enemy has tried to keep you from getting up a whole bunch of times. I don't hear nobody saying nothing. I don't know who I'm talking to in here today, but there have been some days that the enemy has tried to keep you from getting up. And for all intents and purposes, it looked like you were out for the count. Come on, you can tell the truth in here. But here's the other piece that I like about that text. It says that God sent help. But what I got from that, from the, the real life experience, the RLE, Stacey Abrams has a homiletical, homiletical model and example of how God will work in our life. God will also work through human agency. Oh, y'all ain't saying nothing to me. Touch your neighbor and say, you better stop looking at folk cross-eyed. You don't know where your help coming from. You better stop looking at folk the wrong way because the very person that you done wrote off might be the person God going to send to help you. Sometimes the divine and the human operate in agency with one another. It's the unique way of God that God accomplishes God's purpose oftentimes, not because God physically comes down out of heaven, but because God has some people who have their ear toward heaven. God, I wish I had somebody that could just worship him now. I said, there are some people that have their ear toward heaven. And when people have their ear toward heaven, they'll do what God tells them. I just believe that God was working behind the scene in Stacey's Abrams. I believe somewhere in Stacey's lineage, she got a praying grandmama. I, don't, I could be wrong, but I, I just don't think that Oprah just woke up one day and decided, y'all ain't saying nothing, to go to Georgia. I think God had already written something down in eternity past because he already knew that this day was coming. So he had already set it in motion that even when the enemy came in like a flood, God was going to raise up a standard. I wish I had somebody that could just begin to bless him, that if God be for you he's more than the world against you can you just hug somebody tell him if God is for you come on just minister to somebody tell me if God be for you if God if God be for you he's more than the world again come on come on if, if they feel comfortable with you hugging them come on somebody needs to be ministered to right now tell them if God be for you he's more than the world against you I don't care how they lie on you I don't care how they this real stuff here people are evil and they're mean and they try to set traps and they try to run interference they try to keep you from becoming all that God wants you to be but I'm standing here as a prophet in your midst to tell you that the weapon might be formed but the weapon ain't gonna prosper no weapon formed against you shall prosper and God's gonna let you live so you can tell about it God's gonna let you live so you can testify about how God did it do I have anybody in here that can give him some praise that God will thank you Tony Somebody said he will use human agency. Truth be told, that's how most of us got where we are right now. You didn't get here by yourself. Touch your neighbor, said somebody had to help you. Oh, come on, don't, don't get amnesia now. 
Come on, don't forget it was somebody handing us cookies in a cafeteria. Don't forget it was somebody that looked the other way when our lights should have been turned off. Don't forget that it was somebody that gave us another chance because they saw something in us. Can you thank God for every teacher, for every coach, for every sister, for every Sunday school teacher, for every counselor, somebody that stepped out and worked in your Why am I preaching this to you? Because, and I know this because I, I've done this myself. The first sign of opposition, we ready to give up. First sign of opposition, we ready to say, well, God, maybe I didn't hear God, right? Maybe. And you know, that's what your enemy wants you to believe. Because, you know, folk always trying to tell you what you ain't got no business doing. They ain't doing nothing. Touch your neighbor and say, they ain't doing nothing. But they always telling you that you ain't, you ain't got no business. And the first thing you start thinking is, well, maybe I did hear God right. Maybe I miss God. Maybe, maybe God is not for me. But can I tell you, it's a setup. I'm about to shout out my shoes. Come on. Look at somebody say, it's a setup. Because sometimes God has to allow. Or sometimes God will permit certain things to happen. I don't necessarily think it was the will of God that her opponent tried to shut her down and shut down voter suppression. I don't necessarily think that it was God's will that they would try to take an obscure law, a technicality in the law, and use it to keep her from gaining an advantage. But what I do believe is that in all things, God works together for good. I wish I had some Bible readers right about now. I said, in Romans 8 and 28, it doesn't say that God, everything that happens to me is good. It says, in all things, God works together for good for those that love God and those that are called according to his purpose. What does that mean? Not everything that happens to me going to be good. Excuse my Ebonics. Not everything that happens is necessarily the will of God. But somewhere in the madness... God help me. Somewhere in all of the foolishness and all of the darkness, God is rearranging some things and orchestrating my deliverance. Can you go ahead and give him praise? Can you go on and act like it's already being worked out? Can you go on and clap your hands and give him praise that he's sending help? Thank you for joining our podcast. We pray that you were tremendously blessed by the word. 